Hello, and welcome to the Sports Loft podcast, where we talk about the trends in technology that are affecting the world of sports, media, and entertainment. Today, we've got a particularly interesting conversation talking about how teams are getting value out of social and digital, and we've got two experts in the field uh, joining us. But before we get to that conversation, just quickly wanted to ask you to uh, rate and uh, like us if you enjoy what you hear wherever you get your podcasts, um, and also uh, join the newsletter on sportsloft.co, where we actually send around a weekly digest of everything that's going on in the world of sports technology. With that, I'd like to bring in our two guests today, uh, experts in the field, uh, starting with Shabazz Khan, the Director of Digital Content for the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Minnesota Lynx. Shabazz, welcome to the Sportsloft podcast. Appreciate you having me. And Eric, who is the uh, co-founder and CEO of Slate, uh, and which is a Sports Loft member. Eric, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So today we're going to be talking about the value that sports teams get from social media and, and digital. Uh, and I'll start with you, Shabazz. If you can just give us uh, a flavor of... What is it that you do day to day and, and where do you see the biggest value that the Lynx and Timberwolves are getting from digital and social? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a cliche answer to, to start off here. And that is day to day. Um, you know, the unique thing about the sports world and working in sports specifically within the NBA and WNBA is that no two days are the same. So one day I could be on the road with the team, uh, you know, taking photos, uh, photographs and, and communicating with my team on a game night the other night, you know, I, I might be helping our sponsorships team ensure that we're getting the most value on one of our pieces of digital content or using Slate um, to, to upload, um, you know, sponsored assets or organic assets across our platform. So um, our team hits on everything from graphic design to photography, organic social media, uh, our, all of our paid social media, um, lead generation, ticket sales, uh, sponsorship. So there, there's a lot. We also do a little bit of our digital retail presence, all of our photography on that front, our uh, esports team, our T-Wolves gaming, and then also we've started to run our G League accounts, which is the Iowa Wolves. So a lot um, to, to handle there, but you know our, our team does a tremendous job. Um, I'm part of the digital content team, and so we have uh, a wide array of skill sets uh, between social, video, and animation um, to, to write. And we also do all of our web content, too. So um, <laughs> lots of stuff. But as you can, as you might be able to guess, day-to-day, uh, -day, everything changes. So just 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 one or two things. And actually, uh, I'm going to want to dig into that further because there was a tweet of yours that I saw that I, that I absolutely loved um, uh, uh, responding to somebody calling uh, social social media management or digital content management a side hustle, which I thought was uh, a, a creative uh, a creative response. Um, Eric, give us a, give us a quick snapshot of, of who you are, what you do, and, and who Slate is. Yep. Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, I'm Eric, CEO and co-founder of Slate. You know, we only started Slate about a year and a half ago, and uh, before that time, I was working at the NFL um, as an international content marketer. So my role there was to grow the game outside of the U.S. with a heavy focus on digital and social. And before that, um, I was in Shabazz's shoes a little bit, working for the 49ers on the social and digital team, um, helping run their website and social media. And you know, now we're a company, um, Slate, that helps teams like 
Shabazz and the T-Wolves and Lynx create social content day to day. I mean, I think part of why we came up with Slate is all the stuff Shabazz just said about how much a social media team has to do these days and how much content they have to produce for so many different platforms that our tool lets them optimize content really quickly for any platform and create it in a way that's on brand. So really we fit into kind of that lifestyle of a social media manager in today's day and age and help them, you know, produce more content in a way that's consistent with the brand messaging they're doing across all of their other marketing materials on social media. Mm. Which is, which is obviously a, a key element in what teams and rights holders are doing these days. So listen, for the purposes of today's conversation, let's, let's set the scene, right? Um, People talk about social, people talk about digital, uh, you know, there's uh, websites, there's OTT, there's technology, there's all sorts of different things. When, when you guys talk about social and using social platforms to drive value, engage with fans, what are you talking about? Drill down into the, into the kind of nitty gritty for me. And, and Shabazz, how do you guys look at that at the, at the T-Wolves and Lynx? Yeah, so it, it's definitely a multifaceted approach. There's a lot of things to consider, and, and our philosophy um, from, at the Tim Rules and Links stems from adding value whenever we post, right? There's never a time in which we're posting for posting's sake. Um, we have a pillar. Uh, we have five pillars, actually, that kind of drive our strategy. And um, to, to give you a little bit of a brief insight, one of those is being purposeful. So any piece of content that we're putting out needs to have a purpose for it, right? There, there needs to be a reason as to why we are posting that content, whether it's a community piece that we feel very strongly about being involved in our community, whether it is, um, you know, a piece of engaging content that happened from a player in a game, a highlight. Um, you know, we, we have several of these pillars that we abide by. And then in terms of driving value, um, we see that as a few different ways. One, ensuring that we are engaging current fans at the highest level possible potentially attaining new fans um, throughout our content and, and in the means in which we go about posting content. And the third is what is monetizing our content um, in a way that continues to engage highly with our fans, but also provides a mutually beneficial experience for potential partners that we're sponsoring uh, alongside. So, you know, one of the, the tasks that, that I'm tasked with is ensuring that I'm connecting with our sponsorships department and uh, giving them a tools uh, kit of assets I'm willing to have sell uh, sold, um, and then making sure that my team is executing upon those. So these are all campaigns in which you know I, I have analytics to back up that they engage highly with fans, um, but I also want to make sure that our sponsorships team is is in the know on the strategy behind it, um, what that entails in terms of what platforms that content might go out on the cadence in which it goes out on those platforms um, and, and what a, you know, what a sponsor might uh, be able to expect in terms of impressions, engagements, potential uh, people going on their websites um, and driving value in terms of real revenue potentially for the partners in addition to ourselves. Um, so there's a, obviously a very fine line there. I, I don't want to oversaturate any of our organic content uh, and, and water down what we're doing at a very high level and in turn having fans tune out our platforms, um, it, there, there's a fine line we have to strike a balance with. And luckily, I have a great relationship with our sponsorships team um, that's allowed us to, to drive value um, through all those facets. 
Mm. And, and Eric, what are you what are you seeing as sort of a, a running running a company that is providing value across that entire um, chain on different different social media channels, but also uh, um, uh, but also on digital? Where mm. are you seeing people focus? Where are you seeing that value really be driven? And 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 who, who's doing it well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. I think picking up on what Shabazz said at the end there, we've seen a lot more um, creative ways to incorporate sponsors this year than you've ever seen in the past because of the necessity uh, with fans, you know, obviously not being in stadiums for the most part and a lot of teams and leagues across sports trying to recoup revenue um, and all of a sudden turning to the digital and social team and saying, wait, this is our most valuable asset. How do we monetize it? And in a way that works. And I think, you know, in this past year, we've seen a lot of really good examples of ways to monetize social content that doesn't um, impede on the engagement and the value that you're bringing to fans. Just like Shabazz was saying, like that value needs to come to the organization and to fans equally. And we've seen just a lot of really creative ways to create new owned assets on social media. And it's one of the, it's one of the challenges of the landscape today for folks in Shabazz's shoes is how many platforms and how much volume of content they have to be always on for, but it also provides more opportunity um, obviously for engaging fans and to find ways to sell different pieces of content. Um, whereas, you know, before when I was, when I was at the Niners stories didn't even exist yet. And obviously like reels and TikTok and I think Twitter was just introducing video and like your Instagram feed was like this, like Holy grail. And you would like never sell anything there. Um, but now there's so many more real time, you know, ephemeral pieces of content that are highly engaging um, that could incorporate sponsors. And that's really what we've seen a lot of this year for the first time is, you know, teams starting to include sponsors in that ephemeral content to, to really good effect. Mm. And take me behind the curtain, because this is this is fascinating to me and it, 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 sort of something that I've always tried to get my head around. Shabazz, you talked a little bit about the strategy of selling uh, social platforms, selling social content. It, is is there is, is there ever sort of a, a an ad hoc monetization opportunity, or is it always sort of strategized and planned out in advance? Like, do you get a piece of incredible content and like, oh god, I can sell this now. I can like go get one of my sponsors to invest in this, or is it all you need to plan out? You sort of say that this type of content will be branded and sponsored. This. Pull that back a bit, a little bit, and explain how that works in in real in the real world. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a great question. Um, you know, I have the benefit, much like Eric, that you know I've been in the shoes of of my staff that's doing a lot of the day to day and hitting send on a lot of these things. And obviously, we do a lot more than that. But being in those shoes, I I understand uh, one how fans are engaging. Um, how quickly you need to be, you know, witty and, and able um, to adapt to any uh, situation. So there's a lot of times in which, for example, we might have a, a great piece of content that, that takes off in terms of the amount of people that it's see, uh, are seeing it. Um, and I might try to build, you know, a platform around that moving forward. 
more often than not, what happens is I, I try to be as strategic in terms of the planning as possible. Um, very rarely is there a time in which, you know, uh, we have something and then within two days, we're like, hey, to our sponsorships team, we want to get this sponsored and it happens. It's just a, it's a longer process usually involved uh, there. There are times in which, you know, we can add value to a current partnership in which I'll go to our partnerships team and be like, hey, we're thinking of this. If we win this game, we have something, you know, witty or clever or highly engaging that we feel might be a fit based on this uh, partner's brand and what they're hoping to get out of the partnership. So um, I try to be proactive in the approach um, so that it, we're not being reactive to, to content that's doing well. Um, I, I try to plan that out um, as I see fit and then go to our partnerships team with, with, essentially I have a deck of 30 to 40 different campaigns at any different time um, that I work with several other people throughout the organization with to ensure that we're evaluating it correctly um, and, and giving as much detail as possible to our sponsorships team so that they can go out and potentially have the conversations that align with what we're trying to do from a content side. Mm. And go ahead, Eric. Yeah, I have a question on top of that. Is, do you make sure, um, Shabazz, that nothing is sold without it having been organic first to see like the numbers it does? Or will you ever come up with ideas for sponsored content and not do them unless they get sponsored? Yeah, that's actually a, a really good question. So uh, for the most part, I, I try to plan around the former in, in the sense that I want to make sure that there is some benchmarking available. But oftentimes, just because of the, the changing nature of our platforms, and as you alluded to, seven years when I got into this, TikTok didn't exist. You know, five years ago, it was, a mu it was Musical.ly or whatever else. So yeah. all of those things coming to fruition very quickly, we need to be nimble and, and on our toes. And so uh, sometimes what will happen is um, I'll just kind of baseline what I think, uh, you know, might happen from an impressions or engagement standpoint before it's actually gone out. Uh, so it's a little bit of a mix of both. I, I try to mix it up and ensure that our, our sponsor team doesn't have to just, you know, reuse the same 30 or 40 assets that I'm continually thinking on a year to year basis. Um, you know, this one worked, this one didn't. Here's what I think is going to work next year a little bit more. Um, and a perfect example of that is, you know, one of our partners uh, was looking for some more active, uh, they're, they're in the health industry and they're looking for a little bit more of an active slash fun partnership with us mm -hmm. and um, we're, was hoping to utilize a little bit more of our mascot and potentially our senior dancers and whatnot. And so to me, uh, whereas in the past that wasn't necessarily something we have posted organically, uh, sans it being a, a, a great moment that happened in arena, um, just because it didn't necessarily align with the strategy that we might have on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram based on those demographics, we actually tailored that for TikTok. And so that, that was new this year. You know, we, we have a partnership that's specific just to TikTok based mm -hmm. on, uh, you know, our partner wanting that specific, uh, type of content. So, um, we do have to be nimble, but I think for the most part, I try to plan as much as I can. Um, yeah, hopefully that answers the question. Yeah. And so like. How typically in an NBA or an NFL team, how many people actually have access to the social media accounts? I'm I'm really curious about this. Like, could the could the CEO go in and post, or do you say absolutely not? Stay the hell out. I want you nowhere near this account. Well, one thing that you'll see on on, on my end at least is I'm a big proponent, uh, especially in the digital and sports landscape, uh, for allowing creatives to to do what they're hired to do and be trusted to, to be doing 
what they were hired to do. And, and so that's uh, being part of conversations that may not directly apply to social just because digital and social, in, in my opinion, and I think for, for all of us here, outside of what's happening on the court field, et cetera, it's the most you know front-facing part of an organization currently outside of what's happening in those confines. And so there's a lot of facets that you cover um, being the voice of an organization and representing the organization. And so uh, a lot of conversations need to happen and a lot of education needs to happen within the organization. And, and luckily, you know, that's not a problem on our end. Um, the only people that have access to the account are four members, uh, three members of my staff and my boss um, have access to our accounts. Otherwise, no one has a login. Sans maybe the IT team because sometimes they help us with like our live streams um, mm -hmm. and whatnot. But other than that, no one's allowed to to you know willingly go in and tweet whatever they want. Um, I, the the mentality that I have is that uh, if if there is any questions in regards to social, whether it be our accounts or, or anyone's accounts, uh, come to us. You know, I, I wouldn't say. You know, I, I I try to shy away from saying that anyone is a, a total social media expert just because platforms are changing every day. And it, it, I, I can't say that I'm an expert in everything, uh, but I think I, I have experience and knowledge that can help most situations. And if I don't, then, you know, I, I will make that known. Uh, but I try to have an open door policy and, and answer any questions that I can and help out in any ways that I can. And I think that's been, you know, beneficial across the organization. You know, our department, uh, as you might have heard, in terms of the, our duties, we've taken on a lot more than just the scope of social media and uh, digital and, and web content. And so we're part of conversations that stem in regards to our branding and our creative, um, you know, our, our out of home signage, um, you know, our uniform uh, to, to an extent, we're part of those conversations, certain partnerships. So it's very wide ranging. And luckily, we do have the trust of our uh, management and, and upper executives to, to let us do what we need to do. And I think that's an important piece, not only in sports, but just generally in social and, and digital is, is, again, trusting uh, your creatives uh, to, to let them do what they do when they're pressing send. Mm, quite. And Eric, I'll, I'll, I'll absolve um, Shabazz from having to answer this question, but in your, in your view, is is the social and digital team, or, or really the social team, right? Because the digital, we're really talking about slightly longer lead times and, and, and longer form content, potentially. But on social, is, is the team not doing its job if it never gets a slap on the wrist from upstairs? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I don't think it's... I mean... A lot of a lot of teams take different approaches and some of them like to be more edgy and like have get attention that way. Um, I think kind of on the contrary, you know, uh, social media managers, especially if you think of I mean, the job didn't even exist, what, 10, 12 years ago. Right. And the first folks to end up kind of doing it were younger in their career um, and, you know, get like the, the young intern to start posting on social or whatever. It wasn't some executive, some VP that all of a sudden started being the one writing tweets. And I know for myself, like early on at the Niners and, um, at the NFL, it was very much about like mentally, like wanting to, um, push the boundaries and do things that are engaging and interesting, um, 
and shying away from like content that's sponsored or content that's like very like PR friendly. But I think you like kind of grow to like learn that it's not about you and about like what you want to do. Like you're representing the company and you need to give the company the voice that it wants to project in a way that, you know, obviously you advocate for what you think is going to work on those platforms and what you think is going to work for what you know about the fan base. Um, but you have to do so in the confines of the larger organization that you're representing because, you know, most social media managers are going to go off and do it for another team in a different organization. And if that team wants to be a team that pushes the boundaries, then you have the freedom to do so. Um, but yeah, I definitely don't, I definitely wouldn't say you're not doing your job if you're not getting a, a slap on the wrist from upstairs. I think, um, I think upstairs isn't doing their job or maybe you're not doing your job if you're not changing the minds of people upstairs and ha having them like understand, you know, things that could work on social. Um, but I would never advocate for kind of going cavalier and just posting stuff with that you think might, uh, <laughs> might not be as brand friendly as uh, the leaders would want. I, I would add to that too. And, and just say, you know, I, Eric, you, you brought up some great points there. Um, the first of which being tone and voice is so important uh, for each and every organization. And I can say, you know, coming from Sacramento, my, my prior organization before the symbols and links, um, we were a lot more edgy in our approach. And there's a lot of things that go into that uh, strategy and tone and voice. And I think one thing that um, if, if you're not necessarily manning the account or part of that department that you have to, to be cognizant of is there's different goals and initiatives for each and every organization from the top down. Um, and there's also an education level um, that, you know, a, a digital and social team is responsible for, for educating those that might not have the knowledge of, of the space to know when to take calculated risks. So I, I would shift the question a little bit away from, um, you know, getting a slap on the wrist and, and more so taking a calculated risk, because I do think in, in the social and digital landscape, you know, if everyone was hopping on the latest trend, mean, whatever it is, there's, there's, it takes a lot to disrupt in, you know, a 24 seven feed as is already. And so being able to hop on everything all the time, that that's not the right fit for any brand, right? Uh, everyone's story and um, their, their mission statement is different. So you got to find the ways in which to be creative with what you have to work with. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say when it comes to, to individuals manning the account, um, you know, coming from my time in Sacramento versus here, as I alluded to, very different in our strategy. And as Eric said, if I took the same approach that I took in Sacramento and used it in Minnesota, um, it probably would not have worked very well at all because there are different fans. Um, there are, you know, again, different goals and initiatives. And me coming from uh, Minnesota and then going to Sacramento, um, there's also a little bit of a learning curve too. And you need to be cognizant, not only of your personality traits and what you like, but as Eric said, what your audience wants, right? It doesn't matter if I like, um, you know, the weekend and that Super Bowl meme that came out the other time, if, mm -hmm. if I don't think the audience is going to resonate or, or knows enough or is in tune enough in that, right? And, and that might be a poor example because that, you know, everyone saw that in the sports world, but you, you get the gist, right? Like my personal tendencies and affinities cannot be representative of what the Tim Robes and links are posting on our social accounts because they're, they're, you know, 90% of our fans might have no clue that 
the reference that we're making in regards to a movie that only I mm. care about or liked, right? Um, so that's another important point to, to take into consideration. And how do you balance that with your own personal uh, presence as well? Um, because you know the, the days the days were where the junior the junior kid from the 76ers got a lot of um, uh, kind of uh, spiel, and people were talking about how well uh, how well that account was being run, et cetera, et cetera. But then, obviously, as um, the people who are handling the for lack of a better word, let's call them the corporate accounts or the team accounts start yeah. to become known in their own rights as professionals in the industry. You obviously don't want to be a shrinking wallflower, but you also have to, you know, uh, uh, portray a, a, a corporate image in one of uh, somebody who's working within an organization and, um, uh, and a team and could potentially move on to somewhere else, like you say. How do you balance that? Is it something that you think about consciously? Is it something that, that, that comes up? Yeah, uh, great question. You know, personally for me, the way in which I approach my social platforms, um, one, and this is a rule for, you know, anyone on my teams, and just I think one, in especially the sports social realm, you can never do anything that, uh, say anything on your personal platforms, although they are your own, that would take away from what you're doing from, you know, the, the actual team platform. And what I mean by that is, Working in sports social, you get to do some really, really cool things. And I would never, nor no one on my team would ever be, you know, uh, we never want them to post something from their account as opposed to the team account, right? Like first and foremost, we have a duty uh, to our fans to, to bring the best content to light uh, first for them. And really the way that I go about my social platforms is probably different than a lot of folks, but I, I focus a lot more on uh, just having a passion for, for what I do and, and highlighting the wins that we have across our accounts and the cool things that we do get to work on because, you know, I want to showcase that working in, in sports social, um, it, it's a hard, definitely a hard job and it, there's a lot of work involved and a lot of time spent, but it's also something that I've been very passionate about and, um, you know, I, I want to also shine light on the positives um, and, and recognize places that are doing it well. Um, so I use my, you know, platform as often as possible to, to highlight some cool things that we've done um, uh, or other people across the sports landscape that I think are doing it well. You know, recently I, I shouted out the Lakers video team that I think does a really good job in very real time, um, you know, getting uh, getting highlights out. And, and that's an important piece. A lot of times I'll try to shout out members on, on my team um, who do amazing work and, you know, none of our names I don't think anyone should ever totally know a t when a tweet goes up from a brand account, like, oh, this person tweeted it because it's not about me or the rest of my team. Right. But I do think from our personal uh, social platforms, I, I try to make sure that I'm being as positive as possible with, with folks across the industry and creatives in general, because we don't know each other's goals and initiatives at the end of the day. Um, and I try to bring light on the work that goes on behind the scenes from our animators who do amazing work. That might not just get that, you know, uh, people just don't know that how much goes into it and what they're doing and, and that it's more than just us uh, hitting send on a tweet. Like there's the idea from conception, there's the animation that took hours to make, um, there was a meeting that, that had us review and do edit. Like there's so many different things that I try to hit on. And then the last one would be, you know, trying to inform and educate as best as I can with my platforms. And you alluded to it earlier, you know, there was a... There was a tweet that um, I wouldn't say 
I took offense with, but I was a little, I, I wanted to correct uh, the statement and it was that social media is a, a side hustle. And uh, I read the article um, it, and I'm sure the, the author had well intent. I went to his platforms um, and took a look at what he was saying. And I think it just might've been miscommunicated, but I wanted to ensure that because a, a lot of it uh, was stated in a certain way that I corrected, you know, that that's not the uh, correct way to, to go about the, the industry. And I think it is harmful in, in some ways because what I see as a hiring manager is oftentimes when I'm going through, you know, me personally speaking, when we post a job, sometimes we might get upwards to, of 500 to 1,000 applicants. And half of those end up being candidates um, who might think because, or, or they're literally stating on their profile that because they have a Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, whatever, that they're able and willing to run the accounts. Now, having those platforms, that's just not enough, right? Like you have to have a deep understanding of what works well, the organization, the algorithms, a creative mind, the sponsorship element of it. Like there's so many different pieces. And, um, you know, what I wanted to bring light on as, as you uh, alluded to in that tweet was that there's so many different facets. It's not just social media. Um, it's photography, it's graphic design, it's analytics, it's paid social media, it's sponsorship, valuations, um, PR to an extent. Uh, there's there's a lot of different facets, and on paper, social media sounds a lot easier than it is. Yeah, for sure. And um, Eric, I wanted to revisit this point about um, sponsorship and the integration of of sponsors, especially in 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 a COVID world where you don't have fans in arenas and things like that. Um, but but from a slightly different angle. So um, from from a revenue perspective. We've talked about sponsors, right? And we've talked about working with the sponsorship team. But do you see any other avenues for monetization, whether it be immediate through um, uh, fan exclusive content and fees, or whether it be long term in terms of the fan base? Like, how how can organizations think about it differently and approach things differently potentially than just thinking about? you know, I'll be crude slapping a sponsor logo on a, on a piece yeah, yeah. of content that goes out on social. Yeah. No, I'm glad you asked. Cause it's something I've been thinking a lot about. And I actually wanted to, to hear Shabazz's take on how it may or may not be changing within the NBA, but I think the next big opportunity, and I've already seen it start to materialize is kind of a, a revolution in the way teams approach like their their merchandising and selling gear um you know because owning that logo and those colors is like so valuable and the way that shopping is now happening on social media and merchandising is kind of taking over i mean you see it in the sneaker world obviously um and with like resellers and you see it with media companies now like bleacher report and overtime like selling hoodies and doing drops and like that stuff selling out in seconds and i think sports teams are starting to really invest in how their merch and social media tie together and you could use social to drive up interest in um in gear um you know there's a lot of barriers in that world of spinning around you know there's production lines that come into play and deliveries and all these things that are different than just creating a piece of content and posting it so you you know if you can find a way to be reactive with merch like you are with content there's a lot of like monetization opportunities for teams um but those legacy systems i think 
it's easier said than done for a team to do that. Um, and I guess I'm curious, Shabazz, from your standpoint, like how how has like merch and social become more intertwined? I mean, you're wearing that Lynx uh, sweater right now, which like I want one. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm curious, like if you because when I was at the Niners, that was like a different department and we didn't really work with them. And yes, sometimes they would ask us to post things for them. Right. Um but right. yeah, I'm curious how that those strategies have come together and if that's become more important um, for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I talked about it. It's part of some of the duties that my team has started to kind of oversee. And, and that was intentional um, in terms of the, the outreach that, um, you know, I did, our marketing team did to ensure that was the case. I think there's a lot to be said for the, the digital and the social and marketing teams to all collaborate when it comes to this stuff, uh, because, um, you know, we, we have the knowledge of what the brand represents. And I think taking that into the retail realm, um, where you can be, again, very proactive um, in, in terms of planning and, and providing a strategy in regards to um, you know, putting together merch items, uh, th that was important for me. And so our team is uh, working you know, I, I take photos for our retail um, team. We, we've taken over the accounts now. We've worked with IG Checkout to ensure that it's a very seamless one-click process. Uh, we work in the paid space when it comes to retail drops. And, you know, luckily our, our marketing leadership, you know, is on board with that. And we're in the ideation phase of, hey, this player had a big game or this big thing happened. Let's plan a merch piece around that. So you're going to see more and more uh, from the Timberwolves and Links, at least, um, of those stylized and specific drops that you were alluding to um, in, in more retail, real-time nature. And, and that's what social is and, and digital is, right, it is working in, in real time. And so having the two um, departments um, kind of married to some respect in, in, in regards to our work together, uh, that was super important for us. And I'm glad that you know my team is now part of that process and will be for the foreseeable future. I, I think um, it'll be super helpful for us. And, and I hope the industry, you know, catches on to, to what you're saying as well and, and does that in the sports realm because um, there's a lot can be done if you combine creative minds from different different areas to, to bring in tangible revenue. Well, I could talk about this all day, but Shabazz, I know you got to go. Uh, and I've got a cat that's trying to get into this room and probably need to give me <laughs> food. So uh, um, thank you very much for everybody listening. Uh, please do go uh, follow us on Twitter, SportsLoft uh, HQ, and check us out on SportsLoft.co where you can sign up for the newsletter. And if you like this podcast, please uh, introduce, uh, please um, like and follow and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I will also encourage you to go follow Shabazz on uh, all of his uh, social channels. I, I did some in preparation for today's podcast, and he genuinely has a passion for what he does and, and calls out interesting things like trying out different photo filters and different angles of content and different ways of posting and all sorts of different things, which really tells you that being a social media manager uh, or digital director is, is no side hustle. So... All that remains for me to say is, uh, Shabazz, thank you very much for coming on. And Eric, you too. Appreciate it. And uh, we will catch you on the other side. Thank you very much, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.